For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. Then they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He is, he, alone, he only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion in the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in exhortation. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render a man according to his work. Amen. You can be seated. Let's pray. Thank you. Father, we thank you for the chance now to come to your word. And uh, with all that we have to be thankful for today, uh, we're especially thankful for you and for what you've accomplished for us in saving us. God, what a blessing it is now uh, to come to your word, even as we just sang, that a blessing, it's bless, uh, a blessing that you've poured out on us, that you have saved us. God, we come to you uh, humbly and weak, acknowledging we, we could never save ourselves. If, if this was left up to us, God, we, we would have failed long ago. And we have failed, and yet you saved us anyway. And so, Lord, what a blessing it is to know you and to be known by you. God, hear our prayers and hear uh, the, our hearts in these moments and speak to us and transform us in the way that only you can. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, last Sunday, uh, it was a great day, Sunday morning. We had a great day. I had a great time at lunch. Uh, but then for my family, we had... Uh, Kind of one of those days where just nothing went right after that point. Have you ever had one of those days? Just kind of, it seems to kind of snowball. Uh, so the, the first thing that happened was we had, the, we had planned for Lois and Micah to go stay with my in-laws for Sunday night uh, and give, give Amber and I a date night or whatever version you call it when we still have a nine-month-old at home, but we have just one kid at home. That feels like, you know, a break for us. And uh, so we were like literally about to walk out the door and we get a call that my father-in-law had an exposure to the coronavirus. Uh, he's a pastor and his music minister's wife had just gotten a positive test result. And so we couldn't send our kids there because my father-in-law, you know, might have this. Uh, he did show, he thought he had symptoms. So end, end of the story, he's fine. He tested negative. He's good. But for that day, we, we couldn't take the kids there. Okay. That's fine. What's plan B? Well, we had had an invitation to go swimming Sunday afternoon that we had turned down because we were, the kids were going to my in-laws. So we, 
went back to that plan is, hey, let's go swimming. And uh, we got the kids, like we're starting to go out to the car and Micah, you know, it's bright and sunny. And uh, Micah's standing in the driveway and he says, mom and dad, I hear thunder. And we're like, no, Micah, you're fine. Get in the car. Let's go. Sure enough, on the way there, the skies get dark in like seven minutes of driving. The, you know, the rain just like bottom just falls out of the sky. And we're like, seriously, we got changed for this. All right, come back home. By the time we get home, no joke, the storm had passed. But like at that point, you know, it was over. Fine, whatever. So we get the kids in bed and, uh, or, or no, but we got home and Amber was like, I'm frustrated. I just want to, now that the rain has stopped, I'm just going to take Lydia. I'm going to put her in the stroller. I'm going to go for a little run around the neighborhood just to kind of do something for myself. She was on the front porch putting her shoes on and the rain started again. <laughs> get the kids in bed. Everything's fine. We're like, okay, we're just going to relax. This morning was great. We had a good time. You know, we're just going to redeem the day. We're just going to sit on the couch and watch a relaxing show. And so we turned on what we thought you know, had been just a very relaxing show. And then come to find out uh, this episode, you know, which of course is fiction, so don't, you know, self, but it, was, it involved a mass shooting. Like out of nowhere, it was like the surprise ending of this season we were watching. We're like stressed out and anxious. And we're like, this whole day is just one thing after another. And thankfully, of course, you know, none of those actually ended up being a big deal. My father-in-law does not have uh, coronavirus, so we're fine. But I, I just, I wonder if you've ever had days like that or weeks, or years, where you just feel like you're under attack because everything is going wrong. You can't seem to get anything to go the way you want it to go. This summer, we've been looking at the book of Psalms, which is uh, the Bible's hymn book or song uh, prayer book or song list. So we're calling it the Summer Psalms Playlist. And uh, over the last two weeks, and, then, and coming into today, we've been looking at our Father's love, the Father's love that He has for us. And so today we're going to be reminded of that love and also see what it looks like to depend on that love. Because we've all been through seasons where it doesn't feel like anything is going right. And we desperately need a father's love. We desperately need his help. Things sometimes don't go well, or maybe even worse, it feels like we are actually under attack from everything around us. And so we feel like King David did in Psalm 62 when he wrote in verse 3, How long will all of you attack a man and batter him? We feel under attack. Maybe it's bad days or bad years and it can be tough. But most of us uh, have lived long enough and have seen enough to know that sometimes it, it, it seems like and can be true that attacks, they come from all sides, don't they? Attacks come from all sides. Sides. Hear that here in this psalm, the way that David describes the attacks he's facing. In verse 3, he says, How long will all of you attack a man and batter him like a leaning wall or a tottering fence? That is, sometimes the attacks come when we are already down, when things are tough, when chip, the chips are down, when we don't feel like we're any stronger than a fence that is already leaning. If your fence is already leaning, it's not very strong. That's what David said he feels like. And the attacks are coming and the fence is already leaning. He said, it's like it's already tottering. I had to Google that word. I'd heard the phrase teeter-totter, right? Teeter-totter is like a seesaw. That's a good thing for a child's play toy, right? Seesaw, teeter-totter. It's not good for a fence. If your fence can do this, then something, it's not a very strong fence. And so David's saying, sometimes the attacks came at him when he feels like he was already down. Kicking a man while he's down. That's the idea of that kind of attack. It's like sharks that smell blood in the water and they go in for the kill. 
The other side, another way attacks come, verse 4, he says, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. So the attacks come not just when we're down, but also when we're up, when we've got an elevated position, when we're getting somewhere, we're making progress, and somebody wants to take us down off that pedestal. You and I aren't kings and queens of kingdoms, but perhaps you know what it's like at some point to have a little bit of success, and you feel like as soon as you get ahead, somebody's coming after you, or something goes wrong, and that your, your moment is threatened by uh, some kind of hardship. Back when our country used to have organized collegiate and professional sports, do you remember that? We used to do that um, as a country, and maybe one day we will again. Uh, I remember, you know, noticing about this, that anytime uh, a team had the number one ranking, whether it be in their division or whatever else, everybody was gunning for that team, right? Everybody they played, they brought their A game to take down that team. And sometimes it feels like that for us. We, we get ahead, something goes well, and then the attacks come. So maybe the attacks come when you're down or when they up or anywhere else in between. Attacks can come from all different places. And sometimes it just feels like it's all falling apart. 2020 kind of feels like that, doesn't it? It kind of feels like everything's falling apart. Do you remember January? Like, it's hard for me to remember all the way back now to January, but I was looking back through, you know, because we're like at the halfway point of the year, just started the seventh month. In, in January, our country almost went to war with Iran because we killed a military leader there. Do you remember? That seems like years ago that dominated the news. Then I know many of you were upset when the news about uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle left the royal family. That dominated the news for a little while. Uh, then we had the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter and the seven others on that helicopter uh, in California. Then turned March, that's when the global pandemic hit a lot closer to home and it seemed like overnight. I remember Monday when that press conference happened and we decided you know, we would go online here and try to figure out how to do all this, you know, and uh, jobs and the economy, all of it, just like in a, in a week's time, it just felt like everything fell apart. And we have been fighting not only a, a, a pandemic, but also uh, different strategies about how to face a you know, health, public health crisis. We've been fighting that ever since that week. Then a Memorial Day was the day that George Floyd was killed and our nation has erupted in uh, unrest over racial injustices. 2020, it, it's like it comes from every angle possible. Royal family to pandemic. Like it all feels like it's under attack. The beginning of verse 13, caps, I mean, yeah, the beginning of verse 3, sorry, captures our heart's cry when it says, How long? How long, O Lord? If you're familiar with the Psalms and really the Old, the Old Testament in general, that phrase comes up a lot. I think it's 16 times in the Psalms this phrase comes up, and it shows up in the prophets, it shows up uh, all throughout the Old Testament. And when, when we cry out, when the Bible tell, cries out, how, how long, it's not really asking for information. What it's saying is, this has just gone on for far too long. I, I can hardly bear it anymore, God. Please step in and help. How long will it be this way? How long will 2020 last? In those moments, in these moments, and there, there's a variety of ways to respond. And I've given you like 30 different things. So all the different, you know, we respond to all these things differently. But this morning, I want to point to, to one response in these moments from Psalm 62. And it's a response, I think, that is many times lacking. It's not, it's not normally in our repertoire. It's not a tool that we carry in our bag. Sometimes when we're under attack, uh, perhaps you're familiar with the, the fight or flight or freeze instinct. You know, when, when you see a bear 
What do you do? You run, you, you know, try to fight back, you just freeze, you can't do anything. That's kind of the, this natural biological instinct in us. When, when something bad happens, some of us are ready to, to go at it. We're going to fight this thing, uh, whether it be a person or a situation, like we are like guns a-blazing. Others of us, when something bad happens, we are like, get out of here as quick as possible. Just run. Ask questions later. Other people just in panic, they just freeze and they can't do anything because they're so overwhelmed when something bad happens. Today in Psalm 62, I want to offer you a better strategy than fight, flight, or freeze when you're under attack. And it won't be natural. In fact, it'll be supernatural. The only way this happens is with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Because here's what Psalm 62 is going to recommend and call us to in certain situations when we feel like we're under attack. Wait silently on God. Wait silently on God. Silence. Now again, there are times and places for different actions and not every situation, you know, every attack is the same. I'm not saying that we never you know, speak, but at the end, and even at the end of the psalm, you're going to see there's a different way we're going to use our words. But I am saying that silence before God and waiting on Him to act is probably far too neglected. We don't turn to that as often as we should. We forget that there's a time and a place for being quiet and still. This week I saw uh, Plato quoted to say, uh, Wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. And it feels like that's the world we live in. That's the water we swim in sometimes. Everybody just has to say something. We don't know how to be silent sometimes. Many times we're far better off to be quiet and to be still. There's a time and a place for waiting. Verse 1 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. Verse 5 repeats this in a similar way, but this time instead of just an observation, he words it as a command telling his own soul what to do. It's like, you're not going to do this on your own, soul, so I'm going to get your attention. Pay attention, soul. For God alone, verse 5, for God alone, my soul, wait in silence. I command you, soul, wait. Don't speak. Wait. If you have a different translation in front of you, like the NIV, uh, it takes an interpretive translation of this and says, find rest. But uh, literally, this, this word in the original Hebrew is just one word that means to wait silently. It just means to wait silently. To stop moving. And specifically, stop moving our mouths. <laughs> One commentator noted about this word that the point here is not to get caught up in frantic activity that relies on human strength, but to wait. You can tra trace this word a few times, especially through the Psalms, some pretty powerful uh, places. Psalm 4, 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Whew. You're angry? You're upset? Okay. Go to bed. Lay there quietly and think about it. That's the first thing he's saying you should do. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Oh, that is hard to do. We're not especially good at sitting still and doing nothing. That's true all the time, but it's especially true when we're under attack. We want to fight, flight, or freeze. It's hard to wait and stand still. Many of us struggle 
with silence, just in general in our lives. Do you know how hard silence is? It's hard, isn't it? It's very hard for there to be nothing. We always want to fill our lives. We can't even stand for there to be a pause. We can't stand silence. We want to go do fight, challenge, win. Do something, anything but silence. This week I came across a quote. I don't know how old this is. It seems to be very old. I couldn't find the original uh, who, who said this first, so it's just old. It says, speech is silver, but silence is golden. That's good. Blaise Pascal was a French theologian. Math, math classes, you studied about some of his stuff with geometry, and he did science and math, 1600s. He said, the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. <laughs> if that was true in the 1600s, it is way more true 400 years later. We live in such a noisy world, don't we? The world around us is so loud, and our lives are filled with so much noise. And I don't just mean if you happen to live near a busy street, right? Uh, our lives, it just it is taken over. There's noise all around us. We're, if we're in a car, the noise isn't just outside. We always got the radio on or something going, you know. Uh, at home, maybe you turn on the TV just out of habit. You're not even like trying to watch something. It just becomes background noise. Or if you're like me and you have young kids, you don't need any electronic devices for there to be noise around you all the time. You just live in a state of noise. Noise fills our day. So I want to ask you, how often do you sit in silence? How long is there quiet in your life? Because honestly, though, it's not even just the, 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 the audible noise. If you live like I do with a smartphone always within arm's reach, you, you fill the spaces that are quiet with other kinds of noise. You're, you're going to be tempted like I am. You, you can always look up something. You can always read something. You can always scroll something. You can always look at what somebody says about something all the time. We're really bad at doing nothing. We fill all of our spare moments with something. And so even when there's no noise, we insert noise into those moments. I, I, I wonder, and it's no wonder, that when we're attacked, we have a hard time sitting in silence. We have a hard time waiting on God. Because all of our lives, our default from the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep is to be go, 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 noise, noise, noise. We have a hard time sitting in silence. When God calls us to wait, what He's doing is He's giving us the opportunity to be reminded and to prove to ourselves that we know who's in charge. We know who's in control of the situation. We need to affirm to ourselves and to others that we know the one that can solve it. We know the one that has the solution. We know the one who's in control. Waiting in silence has been called by, by other people holy inactivity. I love that. Holy inactivity. We're not doing something, but not just for the sake of being a sloth or, you know, uh, lazy. We're, we're ch purposely choosing sometimes not to do anything. It's similar to the way the Bible talks about taking a Sabbath. Maybe you're familiar with this. One day in seven, the Bible calls us to stop working. You know, like when you're taking a test... Uh, you get to the end of the time, the, the, the teacher would say, pencils down, right? You got to stop. You're done. That, the time is over. You got to stop working. One day in seven, pencils down, stop trying to work, stop trying to get ahead, stop trying to do, 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 all this, whatever, and just let God be God. You know what always happens after I take a day off? The world kept spinning. Who knew, right? The world kept going. 
My family was still able to eat after taking a day off. Like, we can take a day off and trust that God's in control. That's what it looks like to wait silently. Maybe you've heard a, a teacher say, and I think it's true, maybe you've said this to your kids. You know what's just true about, about uh, silence? If you're talking, you're not listening. Right? If you're talking, you're not listening. So the Bible calls us to, listen, to, to be silent. One of the main reasons it's doing that is to get us to listen. That there's something we need to hear before we can speak. If we want to know the character of God, we have to stop long enough to listen to who He is and what He wants to speak into our lives. If we can be silent, then we can listen to the voice of God. In our silence, as we wait, what, what will we hear about God? Psalm 62, listen to how this describes God. Three times, verses 2, 6, and 7, God is called a rock. He alone is my rock. He, he only is my rock, my mighty rock. He is a sure foundation. When, when our lives are filled with chaos and we feel like we're under attack, it can be easy to go, go, go and forget where we need to stand. We need to stand on the rock. It can feel like everything is shaking and trembling. And we've got to remember who God is. He is a, a firm foundation for us. Four times in this psalm, verse 1, 2, 6, and 7, God is called our salvation. From Him comes my salvation, my salvation, my salvation, my salvation, and my glory. We're all concerned for our lives, both temporary and eternal. We're all concerned about our blessings. We're all concerned about comfort. We all want strength. We all want peace. God is the source of all those things because He is the source of our salvation, now and forever. That's the, the good news of the gospel is that you can't save yourself. Something better. God is the source of salvation. Twice, Psalm, 67, Psalm 62 calls God my fortress, verse 2 and verse 6, and then twice He's called my refuge. You hear these words? Rock, salvation, fortress, refuge. When, when the chaos of the world surrounds you, do you remember this about our Lord? He is a, a refuge. A refuge or a fortress is a place where we can run to for safety. It's the, the bomb shelter. It's the, the castle that's protected. God is that for us. And David says all these things about God just in the first two verses. All those come up. Then what we already read in verses 3 and 4 is where he's under attack. And so then he comes back and repeats them all again in verses 5 through 8. God is our rock, our salvation our fortress, and our refuge, and oh, how we need Him, especially when there is noise and chaos around us. We need a mighty rock. It feels like so many times that our worlds are shaking. T take out the, the national stuff, right? Just your own life. Just our own day-to-day, -day, raising kids, raising families, going to work, doing whatever it is that God's put before you to do. That in itself can be a world that shakes where do you stand on in those moments? I love the bold proclamation that comes uh, after describing God's character. So verse, verse 2 and verse 6, he says, I shall not be shaken. David's confidence isn't in the strength of his legs. It's not in the strength of his own character. It's in the sure, firm foundation of God's character. That's why we can be assured that we will not be shaken. That's who our God is.
Attacks can come from all those sides, and yet we can still claim, it's not moving me. I'm not going anywhere. I should not be shaken because God shall not be shaken, and He's got me. But the only way we're going to know those truths, the only way we're going to be reminded of that, is if we're quiet enough to listen. Have you ever thought about how strange this moment is in the service? You, you don't do a lot of things in your life this way, where you sit still and listen to somebody else in a room for 20, 30, 40 minutes you know, or so, right? Why, why do we do this? And this is, of course, not my invention. Infinity Church didn't invent this. The church for centuries has had a moment in the service in some kind of corporate gathering worship where the Word of God is proclaimed. Do you, do you ever think about why we do that? This, this has a specific purpose. There's a reason why we do this. Yes, you, you can learn and grow in, in small group discussions, and there's all kinds of other ways to, to grow as a, as a Christian, so that's not the point. The church does this because when we come and we put ourselves quietly and silently under the proclamation of God's Word, what we're saying is, God, I'm willing to sit quietly and listen to your Word. I'm intentionally choosing to submit myself where I won't speak and I'll hear from your word. That is a powerful, you're, you're sitting and you're listening is a powerful practice. This is something we are inserting in our daily and weekly rhythms where we don't speak and we listen to God's word. I hope and pray that this moment isn't the only moment in your week that this happens. Because tomorrow morning you can do the same thing. Not by turning on a radio, but just by opening up God's word. I don't have any power that you don't have. You just open it, read it, right? This is God's word. And when we come to it, so this is why people call, some people call this a, uh, your daily time a quiet time. Why, why do we have a quiet time? It's because we're not being the primary people who are speaking during that time. We are listening. We are quiet so that God can speak into our lives. Let me encourage you. One of the primary ways to stand on the rock, on the firm foundation of our God, is to every day be quiet and listen to the Word of God. Open it and read it. Be still before the Lord. And let me encourage you, even beyond just the daily practice, to find time, maybe occasionally, seasonally, annually, to set aside a little extra time to be with God. Many of you, over the course of this summer, will take some kind of vacation where you will stop your, your regular work, your regular practices, and you will, you will maybe even leave your home and go somewhere else because we all intuitively have this, this idea that, and I don't think this is just cultural, this is everybody, we get this, that, that we need to stop the daily grind sometimes. Like we need to reconnect with our families. We need to give our minds and our bodies a break and just go away, right? That is true not just for your mind and for your body, but for also for your soul. We need time to be still and to be quiet. I don't know what your vacation looks like. I got, I'm going on vacation with my three kids, but also Amber's family's coming, so that adds another two kids, and her sister's bringing... Anyway, we got lots of kids, so there won't be a whole lot of silence for a whole lot of the day. But I'm hoping, and I'm praying about other times during my year too, that we have moments where we can be silent before God and just let Him speak into our lives. Nothing else is going to satisfy and build up our souls. Nothing else is going to root us to the firm foundation of God like listening to Him. David points out 
that you can't find this anywhere else. Four times he says, alone. It's the same original words, translated a little different. Verse 1, for God alone my soul waits. Verse 2, He alone is my rock. Verse 5, He alone, O my soul, wait. Verse 6, only, He only is my rock. That is powerful. You can't find this anywhere else. It only comes from God. One writer said, He that stands with one foot on the rock and uh, another upon the quicksand will sink and perish as certainly as he who stands with both feet on the quicksand. We have to stand firmly on God alone. There is no other source of strength. The psalm specifically warns us that that includes where we put our trust. Where we put our trust. And so the, 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 the wisdom here for us is don't put your trust in anything other than God. Don't put your trust in anything other than God. After describing God, this mighty rock, he says in verse 8, trust in Him at all times. And that's what our silence is, right? When we are silent, we are trusting God. But you know what also happens in our silence? We, we, get, we get anxious, right? We get stressed. We want to fill that void with noise, and we want to hurry up and jump to a conclusion, to an answer, to a, a plan. And so we're tempted to fill that with other things. These attackers in verses 3 and 4, he, he, David is now thinking about them and trying to be reminded, and he says, what, what, what weight do they really carry in my life? Are they really worth anything? Verse 9, he says, Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. He's saying it doesn't matter if these attacks come at you from people with no status in society or with the highest steady status in society. The truth is an, an, an unwarranted attack is like a, a breath. It, it just It's gone. It has no weight. It has no substance. You could put it on a scale and a balance, and it wouldn't make anything go down. It's gonna go, it goes up because there's no weight to it. It just flies away. That's the image God, David has of these people attacking him. And it's especially true when we compare it to God's glory. God's glory in the Old Testament, this word is a word that literally means his weightiness, that he's got some substance to him. He, he, he matters. His, his, his words have weight. And so compared to God, God's word, compared to those who attack us on an ungodly way, those are, those are gone. The weight of God, that's what really matters. That's what we really care about. When we wait silently, there's a temptation to, to take other people's words and these ungodly attacks and forget the word of God. And we're tempted to turn to other things for shorter, quicker fixes rather than waiting on God. He's the one true mighty rock, and yet, verse 10, he has to remind us, put no trust in extortion. That is, manipulating somebody, and uh, trying to uh, pressure on them to do what you want. He says, set no vain hopes on robbery. We can't just take a shortcut to do something immoral to get what we want, to overcome some kind of uh, attack we're facing. He says, uh, he's making the point that sinning is never a solution to our problems. If you're under attack, well, one of the things that we might do is lash out in anger, sin against God, and make the problem worse. And so he says, wait. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Verse 10, he gives one more warning. He says, if riches increase, set not your heart on them. So he says, even if more money comes at you honestly, the stuff of this world will never satisfy you. Nothing other than the Lord can satisfy you. Part of the reason we avoid silence and seek Distraction after distraction 
is that the last distraction didn't satisfy us, so we just jumped to something else in this world. Tim Keller commented on Psalm 62 saying about the natural state of our hearts. He said, the assumption is that God alone will not be enough. That's what we think, don't we? David, however, learned to tell his soul, I need only one thing to survive and thrive, and I have it. I need only God and His all-powerful fatherly love and care. Everything else is expendable. When this realization sinks in, you will never be shaken. That's why David can cry out, Trust in Him alone, O you peoples. And after the second half of that verse, he shows where, how we pour, pour that trust, how we show that trust. He says, pour out your heart before Him. So that's my final plea to, to you today. If we've been silent, if we can sit still before God long enough to hear from Him first, then God does invite us to use our words, but primarily first as prayer. Pour out your heart to God. Pray to God. That's the first thing we should do with our words. Rather than attacking somebody else or, or, or speaking ill of somebody, be silent and let your first words be back to God. We start with trusting by waiting and then we pour out to God. Let me ask you, how well do you do at telling God how you feel? Like what's going on in your heart? Can you communicate that back to God in any reasonable sense. And the reason I ask you that is that my own wife calls me out on this all the time, that I don't know what I'm feeling. She knows I'm frustrated. I don't know I'm frustrated. I don't know why I'm frustrated. She looks at me and she says, something's frustrating you. I'm like, no, it's not. Okay, maybe it is, you know? We, we wrestle to even know what our heart and mind is thinking. And if that's how we are, just like I am on a day-to-day -day basis, just to even know my own thoughts and my own heart, then when we're under attack, how are we going to be able to respond in a godly way if we don't even know what we're feeling yet? So sometimes it takes a, a spouse or a trusted friend or a counselor or a pastor to sit down and say, okay, wh wh what's really going on in your heart? Can you say it to somebody else? Can, can, you, can you say it to God? Can you take everything that's going on in you and pray it back to God? And I'm convinced that if we run our thoughts and our, our, our ideas through God first, well, things will get a lot more holy, won't they? Our speech will be a lot more holy when we're under attack because we listened to God first and then whatever we were feeling, we said to God first. That would change a lot of things we said to other people, wouldn't it? we got to listen and then speak to God first. Trust in Him enough to pour out your heart to Him first. God has already spoken to us. Verse 11, 12 says, Once God has spoken twice, I have heard this. What, what has David heard from God? That power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. That's what we need. We need God's power. We don't need what I can, the energy I can muster up in some situation. I, I can't depend on the amount of love I've got. No, we need the Father's steadfast, eternal love forever. That's what we need. And God is uniquely both of those things, isn't He? Power and love. And He showed that in the greatest way on the cross. That He would make a way to justly and perfectly pay for all sins for all of His children by pouring them on His own Son. That's why it was love. 
Verse 12 ends by saying, For you will render a man according to his work. That is, when God has transformed us, he and everyone else will see the fruits of the tree. Our work doesn't earn our salvation. Our work is the evidence of our salvation. Are you, are you under attack? Do you live in a world that feels like chaos sometimes? You don't have to immediately fight back all the time. There can be a space to wait on God in silence and to let Him speak. You don't have to fight, flight, or flee. Fight, flight, or freeze. There we go. Got it. You can wait. You can wait if the Holy Spirit's inside of you and listen first. Because those who trust on Him, trust in Him, those are the ones who can wait and let God speak. And then when it is your turn to speak, speak first to God. Pray. Run it all through God in prayer before you do anything else. Pour your heart out to Him. Maybe especially this summer, find some extra moments to be still, to be quiet before the Lord and dwell on Him. Because He's a mighty rock. And no matter what else happens in 2020, nationally, statewide, whatever, no matter what else happens in your life in 2020, you can count on this. You have a rock who is a firm foundation. You can stand on Him and you will not be shaken if you'll wait silently on Him. Let's pray. God, what a blessing it is to come to Your Word and to find so much comfort. God, I, I have been anxious and stressed and just worried about everything and anything. But God, we come back to Your Word and we are reminded of who You are our great and mighty God, a rock, a firm foundation. So Lord, thank You. Thank You for creating us. Thank You for knowing us and letting us know You. And thank You for Your steadfast love, Your patience with us when we run from You. God, draw us back to You today and throughout this week and throughout this summer God, that we would listen first and that we would speak to you second so that you can transform our hearts and shape us. Lord, we love you and we need you. Meet us now even as we worship. In Christ's name, amen. I invite you to stand and to use your words to sing back to God today.